0: My name is Rachel Del Judas and you are listening to the Forge Leadership Podcast. Forge Leadership Network mentors, trains, and connects young conservatives ages 18 to 25, equipping them to lead in politics, culture, and business. For more information or to get involved, visit forgeleadership.org. I'm I'm really honored to introduce you to our our keynote speaker this evening. Uh, I'm very thankful for his uh, conviction, his character, um, and his generosity being here with us this evening. Uh, Russ Vogt is the president of the Center for Renewing America. And we are absolutely thrilled uh, for what he's going to share with you tonight and that he could be here. Most recently, uh, you will you will you will know Russ as the director in the Trump administration, as a cabinet member, as the budget chief. He was the director of the Office of Management and Budget. you uh, you probably uh, came across the article uh, that a member of the Trump administration, the budget chief, had ordered the federal government had done something so scandalous as to order, last fall, to order the federal government to no longer spend taxpayer money teaching critical race theory in its orientation classes.? Okay? For some for some wild reason, he didn't think that your taxpayer dollars should be be used to <laughs> uh, create division and enmity between between people and and, and revise our our, our country's uh, history, even if we haven't always lived up to those ideals. So thank you, Russ, for having the courage to do that. And um, as we shared, we shared the the video, uh, Russ. You you gave me a wonderful. Uh, I, I'm sure it was a very harrowing experience, but you gave us a wonderful. Uh, subject heading when I said that Bernie Sanders tried to cancel our banquet speaker. <laughs> I got a lot of questions about that, how he had my number and stuff. Uh, but uh, you, will, you, will, you will remember uh, that, 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 that Russ, when, when before the Senate um, for confirmation as deputy director of the OMB, uh, was, was very unconstitutionally uh, basically given a religious test by Senator Sanders um, he accused him because of his basic Christian Orthodox beliefs about eternal life and salvation. That, in his in Senator Sanders' words, was the, not the type of person who should serve his country and government. Uh, Russ had the courage of his convictions, stood firm, and, and was gracious under under that fire. And so we're just we think he's a model for Ford students who want to engage with character, conviction. Spent a long time in Congress helping people. Uh, and elected officials like Mike Pence was at Heritage Action. Stephanie Cruz and the Heritage Action folks are here. Um, and we're so excited. Yeah. There we there you go. We're so thankful for his service the last four years um, and um, what's ahead for the Center for Renew in America. Everybody, uh, Russ, vote.
1: Thanks, everyone. Good evening, and thanks, Adam, for that great introduction. It means a lot. Uh, It's a real pleasure for me to be out of the administration. One of the silver linings of it, it's one of the few silver linings, is to be able to be out uh, and about and to visit with friends and allies in the conservative movement. Uh, I say it's one of the few silver linings because we were accomplishing a lot of things, great things uh, with the President of the United States. Uh, We had a joke in the cabinet that there's nothing like working for a boss who cares a lot about what you do. Uh, And all of us felt that way. And as a result, we got to benefit and the American people got to benefit because of the restlessness from from President Trump. I'm tremendously excited about being here with you and the work of FORGE. I believe it's a model for training and discipling young men to live and to work and lead in the modern age, which seems to be unraveling everywhere we turn. In explaining why I believe that, I hope you'd let me reflect a little bit on where we are as a conservative movement and as a country. I believe that this is a moment in which we gather is a precarious one. I'm sure that you feel that too. It's not just that we have a new administration that is of the left, governing aggressively and radically. It's that the walls that constitute what is ours are just closing in around us that on every issue, America seems to be at a tipping point. We are dreadfully close to losing our way of life. For instance, we're increasingly dealing with not just the liberally biased media of our parents, but a rising form of state media that's sole purpose is propaganda to defend the left's hold on power. The left has privatized its coercion, using large multinational corporations to suppress speech in the case of the big tech oligarchy, or to bully conservative legislatures attempting to counter their interests in the case of Delta or Major League Baseball or more. When conservative small businesses stand up to be able to stand for truth against the currents of the day, they're harassed, they're boycotted, they're sued, Our children go to school and are force-fed insidious ideologies about America and that all white people are racist and oppressive. Or they're taught that their biology is fluid, that it's a social construct that must be discovered and affirmed. Even if it means irreversible treatments such as puberty blockers or cross-hormone therapies or even mutilating their own bodies. You can't even escape for a minute to watch a sporting event like baseball or football without being bombarded by BLM ads. And we are increasingly unsafe physically. Our police are villainized and defunded. Crime is not even investigated, let alone prosecuted. Criminals are let on bail to, to do more crime. And mobs are literally burning down our communities. We saw that last year. Think about our churches. They should be our stalwarts of resistance and perception but they are racked by fear and self-loathing. Many are simply closed. They've yielded their minds and their wills to government bureaucrats practicing pseudoscience, or they're just divided by the social justice warriors imbibed with a worldview of critical theorists coming from our left-wing campuses. Look, in America, in 2021, if you reject the prevailing cultural worldview, you will be called a racist, You will be called an Islamophobe, you will be called a homophobe, and a bigot. If you're a Christian, you're going to be called a Christian nationalist. You may lose your job or your business, certainly next promotion. Your children will be filled to the brim with noxious ideas about themselves and you. This has led many of us to ask a simple question of those who have long led us in public policy, in politics, and in culture to helpfully separate the wheat from the chaff. It's a very simple question. Do you know what time it is? Do you know what time it is? That question gets at the late hour that we find ourselves in. It speaks to the urgency that we need from our political elites if we're gonna arrest America's decline. The fault line also, it exposes Us between those who are either obliviousness to the currents that are at work, that are moving them like a bobbing cork, or they're just simply unwilling to re-examine their rules of engagement because they benefit from the status quo. We saw a stark example of this in the, and I'm going to be charitable and say, the complete obliviousness of the Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson's recent veto of the bill to protect transgender minors from health air quotes, in the form of gender transition. He objected because the medical authorities told him such procedures constituted sound health care, even though their recommendations fly in the face of common sense, and even though this comes after years in which the dissenting voices in the medical community have been bullied and silenced by transgender activists. The governor went on to complain that conservatives were trying to change culture through government, and that's not conservative in his mind. So let's put aside the question about when it stopped being conservative to protect children. Governor Hutchinson's conservatism is brittle, it's hollowed out, it's dated, and it is no longer sufficient for the challenges we face because it rests on the assumption that such a divisive issue such as that will merely work itself out in culture. Well, look, culture by itself is not coming to the rescue anytime soon. Governor Hutchison, very simply, has no idea what time it is. Unfortunately, he's not alone. His sentiment is a reflection of the inadequacies of conservatism's evolution in recent decad- decades that have culminated in the moment that we find ourselves in. And with the best of intentions, and I mean that, with the best of intentions, Conservatism has been oriented solely towards the preserving and the expanding of freedom. And rightly understood, that makes sense, right? It's freedom that makes it possible for a virtuous and industrious people to flourish. Those virtues are formed in, and those endeavors are mediated by the institutions of civil society, which are both a means of preserving and the proper end towards which such prosperity is directed. With a virtuous people and a thriving civil society, this means the role of government is simple. Let them be. Protect them physically, guard their rights, and then just let them flourish. And this would be a good understanding for most of our country's history, but I think we need to recognize that we are witnessing the rapid decay of the moral foundation that is necessary for a free society. And that the mere pursuit of freedom furthers that damage. Think about a carpenter who's just laboring away, building a second floor to his house when the entire first floor from the foundation is up is on fire. We would call that madness. America in 2021 is increasingly a secular nation governed by the husk of institutions governed and created by God-fearing men. We've spent down the institutional capital we inherited The careful balance crafted by our framers has been thrown off its center of gravity. The old synthesis is no longer working. Freedom no longer means the freedom to meet obligations for a people formed in virtue. An obligation to work, to pray, to parent, to bequeath. In our society, freedom is now liberation. It's autonomy. And opportunity means something else as well. Opportunities not for self-discipline or mastery, but a satisfaction of wants, no matter how base or self-indulgent. The old freedom, the freedom to do what want what must do, was the old society's central precondition for flourishing. Prosperity was its consequence. In today's America, that causality has flipped. It's the new prosperity, the wealth generated on our coasts that fuels today's liberation because, and this is it, only if you're free from want can you forget your duties. The emergence of woke capital is not an accident. And what about civil society? With the old freedom forgotten, freedom's proper end has been entirely abandoned. The pews are empty increasingly. The houses have fewer bedrooms. We no longer have enough children to replace ourselves. Those we do raise are taught not the old virtues and obligations, but the new ethics of license. So this period that we are living in, the lockdown era, is spoken of. It's an interruption to our routine. That's all it is. But there's a reason other than the public health crisis that the lockdowns have been so enthusiastically embraced by the so-called laptop, laptop class. And, and there's news articles about this. They, they actually represent the culmination of this new culture. The true face of civil society in the year 2021. Stay at home, get delivery, stream your meetings during the day, stream your Netflix at night, delay the wedding, but enjoy tinder from your couch. Above all else, don't worry too much about how the bills will be paid. Someone else is going to cover it. Can you imagine this class of people, the, the individuals that we is our governing class? possessing the fortitude to fight a war of survival? Can you imagine believing in something so much that it would sacrifice everything to be able to keep this country safe and to be able to give and bequeath to our next generation, a country that we'd be able to grow up in? So that's the happy face of lockdown is liberation. But the lockdown era also shows us a darker side. You can see it in the COVID statistics with the clusters of death in our nursing homes. And our leaders such as Governor Cuomo and others failed our elderly by dumping them in these prisons upon illness and leaving them to to die alone, untouched, unseen by their children and beloved. But the liberation culture really failed them years before by creating such a society. Isn't it also telling that so many of us and myself included have taken up the cause of reopening our public schools in response to these lockdowns. Think about that, the conservative movement, the school choice movement, the homeschool movement is now the predominant proponent of traditional public education in America. Of big government buildings that suck up our property taxes, take our kids away for seven hours a day, every day, during their most formative years and teach them government curriculum and government programs, and government clubs, and extracurricular activities. And look, right now, we're right to do so in the short term to take up this cause. Why? Because we don't want our kids on Zoom calls. They weren't meant for Zoom calls. They were meant for a classroom. We don't want them to lose an entire generation. We don't want to lose an entire generation academically or let them force them to lose their junior, senior year. We don't want college kids having to go into and not have their last two years of, of high school. But outsourcing our children's education to government has allowed them to indoctrinate our children out of our view, our old view, into a new ethic. How did we become a nursing home society in the first place? Why don't our elders live with their children in their neighborhoods, in their homes? Why don't more of us teach our children ourselves? Why do families now separate across coasts? And I ask these questions literally as someone who's on the wrong side of every one of those questions. So it is not out of judgment, but it is a, it is a reflection of, of where our culture is currently and how far off we are. Because in pursuit of the new prosperity and our new freedom, we have forgotten the old duties the duty of a parent to a child, and child to elder, duty to a country to form its citizens for their freedom, a duty of a society to preserve its foundation against erosion. And of course, as a people, we have forgotten God. Alexander Solzhenitsyn recognized this in 1983 when he said, men have forgotten God, and that's why all this has happened. This has caused us to fall into a materialism that has obscured much of the difference between right and left and fail to offer a satisfying answer to the despair and loneliness that we see all around us. My friends, As America as a nation and conservatism movements have neglected our most important duty to conserve, and having failed that, we now have a new duty, a positive duty, to renew. We failed as a movement because we allowed civil society to become a magic asterisk in our slogans. No matter what happens, no matter how bad things get, we thought that our kids would be just fine because we would raise them right. It's not government's job to fix culture. It's only to preserve the space to live well. We knew our values faced a threat, but we misunderstood it. We thought it was relativism, and there is certainly a lot of relativism. The relativism of a liberal society isn't the danger to one who would follow God, we said to ourselves. But the lockdown era has made it clear that we should have been seeing something long ago. That not, it's not relativism that's broken down civil society. It's a new religion. It's a militant and evangelical faith that defines itself in direct opposition to everything we hold dear. It's a sexual ethic with no place for children. It's a historic narrative that disdains our history. It's a religious teaching that condemns Christianity as bigotry. Look, think about it. Relativists don't topple statues down. The liberal society is built to sustain pluralism, but its institutions buckle when tested by militant faiths like this one. When such a faith becomes the established church of state, the liberal institutions become illiberal and actively hostile to us and our way of life. There are no Benedict options. And as a result, our debates over freedom and its place in the synthesis are confused. The new freedom, remember, served the new faith well. It is a freedom to proselytize the new gender ideology to impressionable children. Freedom to teach the 1619 project with public funds in our schools, and of course we can't ever intervene because the federal is not allowed to do that. Freedom to harass and intimidate and suppress those who dissent from the new faith to strip them of their livelihoods, of their good names through slander. Freedom for the most powerful companies on the planet to manipulate and censor the information we consume in the service of their creed. Our defense of freedom, like the civil society magic asterisk, has become a retreat from the fight against these assaults on which we hold dear. We defend freedom of speech in the abstract to avoid actually making the case for what we believe, the biological reality of men and women. The affirmative case for their union in marriage. The view that our police and our military and our flag are worth celebrating. And that those who denigrate it should feel shame. We need to do more than defend the right to say it. We actually need to make the case for these sentiments. In defense of an empty freedom one enjoyed well by the powerful forces arrayed against us, we've also forgotten opportunity. What's your freedom worth if you can't speak? You can't keep down a job. Is it really build your own platform? Is it really start your own small business? My friends, these are excuses and they're not solutions for a society that denies that those who share our values a place in it. A renewal agenda can't just be rhetoric. We don't have culture, we don't have the media, we don't have the corporations. In the modern era, conservatives have pretty much one single way to influence public policy and the culture. It's through politics and governing. We must pull that lever. We still have 75 million voters. We have 27 governors and 30 state-controlled legislatures. We need these states to be sanctuaries for a renewed America. We need these models for the rest of the country in the very way that Governor DeSantis has shown us. We need our conservative institutions to develop new ideas and new strategies that reflect what time it is that renew our country and protect our interests as Americans. That's why I started the Center for Renewing America because we need an entirely new policy agenda to renew a consensus in America. Why are we so divided, we don't have a consensus? That we're a nation under God with unique interests that are worthy of defending, that flow from our people, our history, and our institutions, and that our enjoyment of our freedom, and we love our freedom, but it's done within just laws and healthy communities. Years ago, George Will wrote a book called Statecraft is Soulcraft that advanced a very provocative thesis that a conservative movement concerned first and foremost with the preservation of liberty and markets will fail to preserve its own society's foundation absent an affirmative moral agenda. Will gave an example of such an agenda, writing, the great civil rights legislation of the 1960s, of course, designed to primarily improve the condition of the descendant of slaves. But it also had another purpose. It was supposed to do what it, in fact, did. It was supposed to alter the operation of the minds of many white Americans to change, among other things, individuals' moral beliefs by compelling them to change their behavior. Well, George Will has changed over the years. He's rejected the statecraft as soulcraft premise. In a recent interview, he claimed, I have come to appreciate more than ever before the sense in which the spontaneous order of the market society is good for the soul. Capitalism just doesn't make us better. It makes us better by enforcing certain uh, virtues, thrift, industriousness, deferral of gratification, but most of all, the cooperation of a contractual society not superintended by government. My friend, how's that contractual society doing? Are we becoming more virtuous, industrious, less concerned with immediate gratification? Are the parties to the contract living up to its terms? I submit they're not. The left has taken advantage of their own commitments and it's time for us to fight back. It's time to us to expect that government be government, that it engage in soul craft, It's time to insist that our leaders focus on the cultural fights that they have for so long avoided. That freedom we cherish, what's it for? What opportunities will remain for our children in a country whose prosperity enriches and empowers only those who would seek to destroy our way of life? Can civil society save a culture that has forgotten to fear God? If not, we have a lot of work to do. And that brings us back to the forge and the huge potential and responsibility that it bears on its shoulders to develop the next generation of leaders in America. One of my favorite great thinkers on the right, Wilmore Kendall, wrote this. said, in the end, nothing will prevent tyranny except that we, the people, shall be virtuous, that is, to go no further. Dedicated in our hearts to justice, to the common good, to liberty, and to the prevention, the renunciation on our part of tyrannical measures. That is, we must be a certain kind of people. Easier said than done. He goes on to answer the how shall that happen question by arguing this only through a self-chosen select minority who assume responsibility for people's culture in which its virtue must be rooted. To understand, to teach, to disseminate, to persuade, and to develop in the people historical memory, the knowledge of our own traditions, lest in ignorance of them they forget them like madmen, what and who they are. Friends, it is these leaders in society who can speak authoritatively about what must be done, at what pace and at what manner. In the words of Richard Weaver, they are one part preacher, they are one part doctor, diagnosing the ailment of disease and exhorting for the truth and change. These leaders have the people's trust, they know the people, they love the people, they have compassion for the people, particularly in an era where elite opinion and institutions are discredited. But where will these leaders come from if they are not identified, if they are not mentored, if they are not trained, if they are not launched into public service of all types with the sort of relationships that will sustain them when they face the adversity which they will face? Forge is a vital farm team for the conservative movement, with its importance of increasing in direct proportion to everything that we see falling apart around us. But my hope and prayer is that through your generosity that Forge will have the ability to expand. My hope and prayer is that through your generosity, Adam and team spend no moment whatsoever waking up thinking about resources, but think only about mission in everything they can do to have new, new and more students and to be able to advance and be able to spread their model. Because it works, and I've seen it work. I've, I've employed Forge graduates. Now in conclusion, I want to speak to those Forge graduates, those who are here, the alumni, those who are considering it. Considering me one who has returned from the front where the battle rage is hot having experienced much of what you face in the years ahead. Do not let the reality of what I've tried to relay discourage you from your duty. The lesson of my comments is that the walls are closing in and they're gonna take over whatever sanctuary you've intended for yourself. The only way out is through the flames. You are gonna have to take a stand. You're gonna have to take risk. You're gonna have to speak truth come what may. And you're going to have to reject lies wherever you find them. You are the ones who are going to have to demand that we know what time it is. So be fearless, be faithful, and act. For our founders would say, duty is ours, results are God's. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. That was awesome. Thanks.
0: Thank you for listening to the Forge Leadership Podcast. If you like the show, please drop a review in your podcast app and be sure to subscribe for all of our latest episodes. You can follow Forge Leadership Network at Forge Leadership on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For more information about Forge Programming, please visit ForgeLeadership.org.